Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the show. We are going to kick off this third season with our first member spotlight, Mike Anzaldi, who's been a longtime member. Uh, Producer Mark McFarland joins me via Skype as we interview Mike and talk a little bit about his background and a chance to get to know him as a member of the club. Throughout the year, not only is it the job of the podcast to bring you news and, and updates of events that are coming up, we also try to bring you information about new members so that when you see them, you know a little bit about them, you have some rapport, you can talk a little bit about what they shared on the podcast, and in a way, gain more friends at the Audubon Country Club. So now, we are ready and set for welcoming producer Mark McFarland to the microphone once again, and Mike Enzaldi on the Audubon Country Club podcast. We need more uh, podcasts, you guys. Hey, Mike, can you say your full name for me? Mike Anzaldi. Mike Anzaldi, yes. You, have such, you know, I hear your voice here. I think you're like three doors down from our garage. Is that right? Yes. We oh, I didn't realize that. I, I didn't, yeah, cool. there's like, I think there's like 2,700 carts in our garage right now. John <laughs> <laughs> just keeps I think John just keeps buying more go-karts and putting them in the garage. I don't know where they're coming. Right, John? I mean, you've got Caitlin with a, a K2 and a K3 now. you got my carts. we got them coming out of the ears. That's why we call our garage the Cart Mahal. It's the Cart Mahal. Outstanding. Did you get build the uh, little apartment up there? Is there still like a sofa and a... Oh, yeah. And a, chill out <laughs> and a pizza. And a pizza oven. Very good yep. pizza oven, yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to borrow the pizza oven, I've noticed. It was the best thirty nine dollars we ever spent on that garage, right, John? Yeah, the pizza oven works very well. Actually, it does. It does a nice job. And yeah, we we've kicked the car. The cars, yeah, the cars are gone. They, the cars have been kicked out, and only go karts are in there now. That's perfect. That's perfect. The, the, the whole first floor is like a, a shop or whatever where you can work that upstairs. You go, up, you know, and there could be a. We call it home. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I've called it home too many times. Um, oh, that's not okay. Sorry. Um, Mike, welcome to the podcast. It's uh, Mike Anzaldi. I'm John Graybeal. And co-hosting today again is producer Mark McFarlane. Hello, Mark. Hello, Jonathan. And hello, Mike. And hello, Mike. Greetings, fellas. Yeah, so... Are you guys still pumping water out of uh, wherever wherever you're at? I mean, because if you're not pumping water, if you're not pumping water right now, you're in the top 3% of Northern Illinois. (laughs) Well, I I have a gravity-fed system at my farm, so I actually don't have to pump water. But my pool, I just opened up my pool, so I guess it is. I am pumping water in my pool. So... We did that. You're part of the club. Part of the club. And my son mowed the yard today, so we we, we uh, actually got pretty lucky. We got pretty lucky, I guess. And it looks like it's about to rain again. It looks like the heavens are going to open up and dump on us one more time today. What a weekend in Chicago. 
Yeah, Mike, where is driving on the track difficult? <laughs> it's yeah. slushy. Did anybody make it out on uh, Sunday afternoon? I mean, Sunday, it seemed like it was raining all day. What a perfect day to just, you know, get your, uh, get your wet setup dialed in. Yeah, I guess <laughs> they, no traffic. they closed the track a little early, I guess, on, on Sunday afternoon because no one was there and it was just pouring. Yeah. So, Mike, where, where, where are you right now? Where do you live? Uh, I live in Oak Park, so I'm just west of the city, and uh, my my workplace, my studio, is in the South Loop, and that's uh, that's that's where you're talking to me from, you know, right now. So that's where I spend my days, uh, and, uh, and and yeah, Oak, Oak Park, just about eight miles west of here, you know, is where we live. Okay. Wow. Did, did you grow up? Did you grow up there in Oak Park, around the area? A little further west in the uh, West Suburban Conference, Silver, uh, Elmhurst, New York Dukes, is, uh, <laughs> is where I did my high school. So, <laughs> so uh, high school arrivals there, we moved over to Oak Park, um, and my daughters are both at the OPRF right now. OPRF, what's that? Is that Oak, Oak, Park? Oak, Park, Oak Park, River Park? River Forest. River Forest. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Let, I guess let's go back to the beginning. Did, how long have you been involved in cars, or did you always be, have an interest in cars? Did that come from your parents or anything? Or uh, you know, nothing, nothing really serious from my parents. Although my my father liked to swap out cars every year and a half or two, which I thought was exciting. I like to be involved in that process. Um, you know, selecting things and researching things and talking about what what the next thing is. You know, to get for a streetcar. So I guess I kind of always was was interested in that, but, uh, it was, it was more racing when I started watching formula one just outside of college. I started watching those broadcasts and I was like, Oh wow, this is, this is an interesting form of racing, you know? So this is actually pretty exciting. And so that's really where my, you know, like where my, my track interest came from. So, um, and, and just built on from there after I got married, you know, like once you settle in, you know, uh, and did some, you know, light track days uh, with the laps people. Sean Young is a guy that I went to high school with. Started up a program. Oh, wow. They were heading out to Autobahn. Yeah, they were heading out to Autobahn 10 times a summer. And you can line up with these guys without needing to be an Autobahn member. And you can still, like, 10 times a summer is, like, basically, that's enough. You know, so so I did that for a few years. And, uh, like, for so many people that were hanging out with Sean <laughs> thing they became autobot members because yeah i guess 10 days really wasn't enough <laughs> i wanted to do some racing too you know i wanted to throw some racing in there so so 10 days of lapping uh wasn't enough and and needed to add some racing so so then the autobot seemed to be like like a great idea yeah so did your dad let me ask you a question about your dad was he was was he a ford or chevy guy or or or, or chrysler or what was he always was he brand loyal when he was getting new cars all the time no my old man would kind of uh um swing around with the wind and you know maybe pick up a cadillac or an old mercedes or a buick riviera love those things those were hilarious by the way uh we <laughs> That'd be a good car for now because it's a boat Seriously, man. I mean, this these things are legit. Um, uh, what else? He, you know, he had a van every now and again. Uh, just, just some, just some weird, just some weird, cool stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, we, we, had, we had interesting cars. My mom had a Fiat uh, 2000 Spider. I think that was like a 1980 car. Um, uh, I got to drive that around when I was like 14 years old or so and got caught. <laughs> when the parents weren't home, that was a great story. Uh, a couple of buddies came over and parents were out to out to dinner or something. It was like, hey, uh, it's a really nice night out and we know how to drive this thing. Let's just cruise around the block or whatever. I mean, it's a car. We're guys. Let's, let's do some things. And so we hopped in, took that thing around the block a couple of times and it went perfectly. And, uh, and of course, that's never a good story. So we needed to keep going. <laughs> so <laughs> a few blocks later, a few blocks later, uh, eventually uh, mom and dad came home uh, I was saved by the fact that my brother was with them. And, you know, my brother is kind of like this this calming force where, where people don't really get too excited when he's around. It's just, he just kind of calms everything down. Uh, I don't know if that's like that in his personal life, but certainly in our family life, that's kind of how it is. And so that saved my parents from flipping out and whatever. <laughs> However, my, my three buddies, my three buddies that were in the back of this convertible didn't even wait for the car to stop before they were like, you were gone. Your parents are here. We're gone. <laughs> so I was just like, I have no friends. You know what I mean? These are not real friends. <laughs> and now I got to pay for this car situation. It's like, yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Excellent stuff. That's awesome. Excellent yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, my mom actually was pretty interested in cars. She had a, uh, uh, an RX-7, um, the version that um, I'm pretty sure had the motor that my Pro Mazda car had, like yeah. the, the yeah, B7, the, the road whatever yeah. the heck it is, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. And that was a really cool car. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I, I, I mean, all generations of the RX-7 were, were actually pretty cool. Yeah, that, that, that was a great car. I, I heard rumors they might be bringing that back with something. Is that true? Is that Has anybody heard that? I haven't heard that one. Yeah, they've always been idea. rumbling. They've always been rumbling. But, you know, a rotary motor, that's what you need in a, in a Mazda RX-7. I mean, I, I will say, you know, as you stand out and look at our track, I can guarantee you that at least at least every 15 minutes there's a Mazda out on that racetrack. And, you know, yeah, they, I think they're gonna, they, I, they definitely put performance and sport into all their cars, even their old ones up to today's cars. Like every time I go out and I, I have to rent a car, I always try to rent a Mazda at least because it's something fun to drive. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot of yeah, yeah. They have so many plat. They have so many platforms that are that are doing well or have done well in the last ten years. Um, you know, spec Miata to say the least. But but you know, so many other you know, it's like Formula classes and whatever that it, it, it's a it's a it's a proper racing mark. You know. Yeah. Where did you go to Mike? Where did you go to school or college? I went to Southern Illinois at uh, at Carbondale. Uh huh. A Saluki. A Saluki. That's right. Either yeah. Either you guys, either you guys know what Salukis are. Yes, it's a sickly. It's, it's a It's a baby greyhound, like a sickly dog. <laughs> a lovely greyhound with like beautiful hair. Yeah, not quite. I think it's like an Egyptian uh, hunting dog. Yeah, they're not quite as big uh, as a 
As a greyhound, yeah. Yeah. What'd you study there? Oh, radio and television. <laughs> radio and TV. And in fact, my first paid job ever was being the uh, uh, play-by-play man for the AM radio station for the women's basketball team. Really? I kid you not. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was a great time. It was a great time. Did it my senior year. Uh, went on the road with the uh, with the gals uh, hoops team, and it was just hilarious. I mean, it was just it was just hilarious to kind of see NCAA, um, you know, Division One sports, kind of on, on the inside. Uh, yeah, and it was just fun to travel. It was fun to travel with these people, and you know, got got to got to meet some very interesting characters. You know, I mean, scholarship women basketball players from all over the country. Of all sizes, of all shapes, I and mean, these people are like athletes. It was, un- it was unbelievable. Totally opened my eyes up to women's sports. Really cool. Oh, neat, neat. And then you returned back to Chicago. Is that is? And you you continued in radio when you got back, right? Is that way I understand it? I did. So I I got a job as a traffic reporter back in Chicago after I graduated. And of course, when I was leaving school, they were like, yeah, uh, people that are looking to get jobs in radio and television are typically going to, you know, like Waterloo or maybe Cape Girardeau, Missouri, or Paducah, Kentucky, you know, where you can expect to go, like out of college. And I was like, yeah, I'm not getting that. There's no way. (laughs) I'm moving to Paducah, Kentucky. It's just not something that I'm cool with. So I want to go back to the city and, uh, and just kind of roll the dice back up there. And so I, I hopped on with shadow traffic and was doing traffic reports, um, from downtown and eventually from their helicopter <laughs> for like 12 years for 10 or 12 years or something like that. So, well, that's a pretty uh, good, a great time. that's a great job right out of, right out of college. I think I was, you scored big time. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those jobs where right out of school, you you score big time, but but then that cliff comes pretty quickly. You don't hop on the next vessel within a within a certain amount of time. You're gonna that that that, that boat's gonna keep going, and, and, and you, you you missed your stop, <laughs> and then you're like, and now and now you're on a three hour cruise of a lake that you don't really want to be on, and like you know you were supposed to hop off back at that pier over there and yeah yeah uh, so uh, <laughs> it's you know I, I've, I've seen a bunch of colleagues that, that that happened to that are still like traffic reporters after 25 years or, or, or whatever but uh, um yeah a cool job for sure out of school and and, and for me for like 10 years <laughs> so so that's that's kind of how that played out i got to fly around in helicopters and airplanes i learned to fly helicopters and airplanes actually got my license so, um, so that was interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the, do still, um, do you it, still fly? Do you still fly? I don't, I don't, you know, I, I flew every day, five hours a day for like 10 years and then kind of like didn't have a, you know, real strong purpose to go back flying again. So as the traffic, so this, the first time in, before you asked me this, the first time that I saw Autobahn Country Club, was uh, a visit in my helicopter. <laughs> I was flying the afternoon uh, shift with WGN Radio, and we were checking something out on like I eighty somewhere in the area, like some road work. 
and uh, they were building the track. And so we went down there. My buddy Sean Young, that I mentioned earlier, was involved in some of the early discussions, and so he was on the scene for some of this stuff when they first started building. And I called him one day. He's like, yeah, dude, come on down. <laughs> Just come on down to visit. They're, they're building the place. It's kind of cool. We, we actually swung in there after my 332 report on WGS <laughs> <laughs> and landed the helicopter in the parking lot that was being built of the main paddock and hopped out and hung out for 15 or 20 minutes and you know, met with a couple of people that I knew and saw uh, Alan Wilson there, um, the designer of the track, was actually talking, uh, was actually conducting a meeting that we got to sit through with motorcycle guys. And the motorcycle guys were out there practicing and trying to figure out where they were going to put the curbs. So this is before they had the curbs in, and, and they were laying all this stuff out. I mean, it was like real time, like, wow, this is, this is pretty fascinating stuff. What year would have that been? Uh, was that? Yeah. that probably would have been 04, yeah. 05, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I think 04, maybe the summer of 04. It's, yeah. So so you were the pilot and the traffic reporter, so I'm saying, doing both jobs? No, I was, I was the traffic reporter. But I learned to fly oh, okay. Okay. Um, in between reports, so to speak, and then eventually went on check rides. You know, for private pilot, this this type of thing. So yeah, I kind of learned. I, you know, so I, I got my instruction and my all my dual stuff basically like for free because we're wow. we're hanging out. We're we're up there. There's nothing. You know what I mean? It, it didn't interfere with the with the job of reporting to have my hand on the stick. You know, so um, nice. Yeah, you log all you log all that time, and and then you go and check that. Yeah. Nice. Did you have a shadow traffic shadow would name? Never pay you twice. <laughs> Speaking from experience, right? Mike Shadow would never yeah. pay you that twice the amount of money. Never. No. 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 <laughs> so you actually had to figure out like a creative way like that. Then all of a sudden that became like, you know, the small amount of money that they gave you to kind of do this, you know, relatively rigorous job. And you would think that people are all like, oh, who wouldn't want to be in the helicopter? Everybody wants to be in the helicopter. Yeah. There's a hundred people working there and like ninety-four of them were like no flipping way. Like, wouldn't even consider the helicopter. And then the, it was a competition for the other six that would even consider it. And it was like, you know, because it was actually a, a, a pretty rough flying in the helicopter for like five hours a day. And it's just like, you know, it's not, it's not like a Cadillac. <laughs> it's a chopper, and it's not a particularly delicious one either. I mean, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, so, yeah. So, dude, um, did you have a shadow traffic name, one of those w- names that special, different name or a stage <laughs> name, whatever we're going to call it? Nah, I think my ego kind of like uh, just kept me straight on with Mike Anzaldi. Yeah, I couldn't really come up with anything. Although, you know what? There are actually, now that you do say that, there were a couple of stations that wouldn't allow you. So, if you were like working overnights or working a certain time shift uh, on the radio, you might be working for multiple stations doing the same thing. You can't be the same dude. So, <laughs> so oh. you did have to have an alias set up. And so uh, mine was Steve James. Um, and so if I was doing traffic reports on WMAQ and WBBM in the same hour or whatever, I would I would change my name to Steve James for 
you know, for WMAQ or something like that. I know you've probably yeah. been asked this a million times from a guy who lives in central Illinois. We have interstates that are numbered still to this day. So I've lived in this community for 54 years. I've been driving since I was 16, listening to WLS and and traffic reports. And still to this day, I have no idea what anybody is saying because they don't use I-55 and I-80 and I-57. It kills me. It literally kills me. Oh, I would just say this. If, if you don't know what they're talking about, they're not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's excellent you know what I mean like, if you don't know what the heck they're talking about it's it's not don't even worry about it because it's not it, it wouldn't have anything wouldn't have anything to do with your day um, but yeah like you know once you get out of the expressway system because really that's kind of how the traffic stuff you, you know like the, the local radio stations were pretty much just doing expressways and the expressways only go for like 20 miles outside the city and then everything else changes to uh numbers right like as soon as you make it past the tri-state tollway as you're heading out of the city doesn't everything kind of switch over to the numbers you know like it's not the stevenson anymore or even what is it did they change the stevenson to the barack obama or something i i i'm so far out of the traffic situation <laughs> I, I don't even know what the heck I'm you have got me See, in that area, gray deal that, that I am just, I'm not, I'm no longer an expert. I don't know what I'm talking about. They're not talking to you anymore. <laughs> They're not talking to me anymore. They're not talking to me anymore. I don't understand how traffic still exists. I mean, I have the best possible traffic report sitting on my iPhone that I didn't even ask for. You know what I mean? Like, available. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so you, you, you land out at the Autobahn in, uh, in the helicopter and then what was your next, uh, what was your next visit out there? Uh, probably when it opened up, um, Sean got a couple of events or maybe that was one, a full season where he was doing it. Those 10, those 10, uh, uh, dates a year. And, and I started going to those. And so my next visit was probably with him you know, which would probably have been the first time that I was ever driving a, a car on a track. Yeah, what kind of car were you sure driving? that would be it. Uh, I think I had a, um, a 993-911, which was a really cool it's car. And it was, no, you know what? It was like a, a, just a standard Carrera. It was $31,000 or something like that. Which, sure, I mean, that's, that's expensive, but it's, it's not, I mean, it's not crazy. I mean, it's, it's like the price of a Civic right now. Right. Um, $31,000 and, you know, another $5,000 later and you've got shocks and a couple of other little things that make it so that you can go to the track. <laughs> so, so that's where I actually kind of gained my appreciation for the track and, and certainly for Porsche um, was with that little 993 car. Uh, so that's kind of what I started with. And then, uh, and then I got involved uh, with my brother-in-law. We went in together and bought an Ariel Adam. Are you familiar with these? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What a fantastic car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so we bought the year, we bought the year that the company Bramo owned it for only a couple of short years. They made like a hundred cars and they had 10 or nine copies of the Honda K20 motor that they put a supercharger on. So this thing was making like 300 horsepower and the other 90 cars that Bremo was making had like a, an EcoTech 
or an eco boost or an eco thing that I didn't, I wasn't interested in. Like it was, it was like, I wasn't interested in a car if we couldn't get that, that Honda and we got the last Honda and, uh, and that car was super cool. That car was really, really cool. And we played with that at the track for a little while. Um, and ended up selling that thing after a year or two for exactly what we paid for it to some dude from Canada. Listen to this story. Some dude from Canada came down to try and grab this thing, literally from my house. So he comes to Oak Park, and we load this thing up, and I kid you not, it's like a lawnmower trailer of some sort. And I'm like, dude, are you like, where where are you go, where are you going with this thing? Like, what is happening here? Yeah, man, I'm blasting right back through Detroit and heading up through. I'm like, all right, right, you know. And so we get this thing, we get this thing locked down. And sure enough, this dude gets this thing impounded at the at the line at the border. At the border, and they don't let and they don't let him have it for like eight months. Oh no! <laughs> totally crazy. And then it involved, you know, and I didn't really hardly know anything about this until like the Ontario police called me. Actually, the Oak Park police called me because the Ontario police called them and said, hey, man, oh, we got a dude that was trying to take an illegal car in here, and he said he bought it from one of your residents, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we need a statement from that dude. And so the Oak Park police called me in, and they were like, yeah, you want to give us No, I'm not giving you a statement. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. This dude with the lawnmower trailer, he seemed legit to me, but, you know, this conversation's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just kind of like walked out of there. It's like, ah, uh, you know. So that, that car was kind of interesting. A little, little bit of an interesting history there that, that Adam, but, uh, but yeah. And then after that, I actually got a real race car, like uh, a Spec Miata. I had Jim Drago down at the East Street Racing Factory uh, build, you know, build me a, a Spec Miata. And I went and entered the uh, 2010 um, SCCA National Regional series oh wow so we did like all the we did all the cool stuff in 2010 like um uh the runoff sets wrote america the cat national i wrote america the june sprints at wrote anywhere there three times that year uh we went to blackhawk and i think we went somewhere else um blackhawk was my first race ever like the first actual car race that i was ever in hmm. and thought i was super cool me and my buddy neil gahani um uh, went out to that race, and I think we took Sean Young with us, and we were like a three-man team, and we were so cool. We had the truck and our mechanics, and everything was just like dialed in. Like, we knew what the hell we were doing. And we went out to the first practice session. We went out to the first practice session, and I kid you not, I hit Neil in the back. I hit my own teammate in the back in practice, like on the first lap, like, the, like we're just warming up and I hit him hard enough to spin him out and like knock him out of the, 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 the session oh, <laughs> as, no. my first, as my actual first session on a, on a race weekend. And it was just like, uh, uh okay, let's, uh, let's, let's like dial this in a little bit and like, <laughs> let's recalibrate, uh, you know, our, our instruments, here and and let's figure this out so uh so so that that that, that also was entertaining 
Um, sounds like the NASCAR. It sounds like the NASCAR race on uh, Sunday. If you guys watched it at all, I got uh, you know seventy-one days. I think they they were top, constantly saying seventy-one days since the last time we raced. Guy hits the wall in the second turn of the fir- of the first lap. His whole you know, like untouched. untouched, just hit the wall. Oh yeah. no! I mean, so you got the truck, the trailer, all the mechanics, everybody, the time, the energy, the effort that they all put into the car for 71 days, and then, boom, it's the wall, end of race. It's like, oh, man, it's just, that, that's, that's the walk of shame back to the pit lane going, oh, man, are these guys going to kill me? <laughs> it's, 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 it's humiliating. It is humiliating <laughs> to just, you know, like, to just fail. Like, you're the driver, and you're just, all these other people have kind of done, they did it, they did it, the car is here. You know, it's in good shape. It's ready to go. Now, now it's up to you to go drive. <laughs> and you smash you one into thing. the back of your teammate? Are you out of your mind? Like, oh, my God. You had one thing to do, sir. Just one you thing. You had one thing to do. It's uh, a Miata. You can't, can't drive. <laughs> you can't drive this Miata. You know what uh, I mean? So it's like, yeah. So then after uh, having the Miata and, and running that around uh, that 2010 season, uh, my wife, Sue, was like, dude, this being gone, like, <laughs> five weeks, six weekends in the summer, like, for three-day week. I mean, they were, like, three-day weekends or whatever. She was like, yeah, ah, yeah, nah, not cool. So uh, uh, so that's when Autobahn came up. It was like, well, you know, we, we could maybe just join over there. Uh, and then you come home at the end of the day. Come home at the end of the day. You're never gone for any like length of time. It's just, you know, I mean, we we went into the war room and we figured it out. And you know what I mean. But she was offering crazy things that uh, you know she was lobbying for crazy things that had nothing to do with racing or whatever in exchange for this whole uh, situation. It was an outrage. She brought in lawyers. I mean, it was a, it was a staged. And so, uh, you know, do you have, do you have, do you have to renegotiate that deal every couple of years? <laughs> it hasn't come up yet, but I, I'm, I'm thinking that people as shareholders are itching right now for some changes. You know what I mean? Like they're, they would like things to be reviewed a little oh. bit. So. <laughs> Don't let her listen to the podcast because she might get the idea. Yeah. It's funny that you would think that she hasn't already thought of it. So what was the first car so when you joined the Autobahn, what was the car that you started out there with? It was it was that Miata. It was that Miata that I had and I and I started uh, uh mixing it up with the uh with the member racing and Man, it's the Miata series hard. It's like it's competitive. It's these guys are so quick, and uh, and it was super fun. It was it was super fun. There was and and I and I love the fact that there was you know like somebody to battle with kind of like most of the way through the field. There wasn't a lot of races like when I was learning how to drive Miatas, you know, in a decent way where there was nothing going on. Where there was just like yeah, I'm by myself. You know what I mean? Like it's you know it was like there was always. Some some decent racing throughout the throughout the field. So I played around with the uh, with the Miata series for a little while um, and had a great time. Like that's where I learned how to race and how to be next to each other and how to give people room and and how to understand when we are going through two by two that like things are different. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? You're going next to somebody through a corner. At, you know, like it, it's not going to be exactly how you're used to. So like, and I got to learn all that in, in the Miata and, uh, and then, and then ultimately I, I kind of, um, got like a little bit bored practicing with the Miata. Like I, I wasn't having as much fun as I thought I could have. So I, so I picked up the Pro <laughs> which had been a car that, that I, I had looked at since it came out like in 2004, even when I wasn't, you know, like thinking about going racing, it was just like, oh wow, it's like a little scale indie car that you know looks awesome and has that motor, that rotary motor that we were talking about. And so uh, yeah, so I always thought that, that was a super cool car, and then you know some interest snowballed during the uh, I don't, I'm guessing that thing was the 2014 or 15 season or whatever. Uh, Pro Mazda was going strong. Uh, you know, as a national series. And so there were a bunch of cars available and a few of the guys picked them up at the Autobahn and started up that series. And so, uh, and so I got one of those and had a great time. Like that was so fun. And I just took care of that thing myself, not the major stuff, not the engine stuff and the gearbox stuff, but I just, I, I dialed that thing in by myself and did all the setup stuff and super easy. It was all like wide open sitting right there. It's just all, it's just like all right there. So if you if you're inquisitive enough to be interested in looking at it, you can pretty much figure out how it works. You know what I mean? Like none of this stuff is, you know, like, like launching a rocket. It's just, you know, okay, that's how you jump the toe. Oh, that's how you do the camber. Okay, cool. You know? Yeah. And how many, how many, is that car still at the track? Is that car still at the track? Is that still, you see it? I think it is. On? I think it is. But Matthias bought that car. Um, and I've not really seen it. I, I saw it out once last season and I was pretty excited. You know, my, my heart kind of uh, was beating when it, when it went by. Um, and that had been the first time I'd seen it out. And I haven't seen it out again. So I don't know if he's using it or if he maybe, you know, wrapped a different color or something. And yeah, but he's still talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Cause Gritter on our last podcast, right? John mentioned that, you know, there's, they're starting to be, be a little bit more of a push again with the, the, the pro Mazdas, if I remember correctly. This is what I've heard. This is what I've heard. Yeah, yeah that would have been... John, you... <clears throat> yeah, so we had to... Actually, I went to the meeting um, uh, a week ago, Friday, or uh, one Friday, I can't remember. We went to the meeting. Um, they're trying to work out some different arrangements for how the open wheel racing will go and ways to make it economical, competitive, fun, and stand by for a, a podcast on that, along with a, a potential arrive and drive where, you know, you, you don't even have to own the car anymore. You just show up and it's, and it's ready to go. And, um, you know, Havoc Motorsports, one of the, um, a race shops there at the Audubon country club though they can handle everything from storage to setting setting it up to getting you know a seat made for you and all that stuff so yeah that's there's a podcast coming i think they're still working on all the details on that but there's there's quite a few people at the meeting and i think we all have high hopes of going forward with some you know some open wheel racing again i guess it's, it hasn't been since i've been there in the, for a few years i've only seen them run maybe handful of times but uh it, it, it looks promising it was pretty cool it was pretty cool i think we were doing it in 15 and 16 and maybe even 17 kind of died off or whatever but like in 14 they were doing the center series with the regular 
formula mods with ours. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some of the guys that had those were like, let, let, let's, let's do it. Let's get the pro cards because they're, they're not r- relatively expensive. And of, and of course, that's all BS. <laughs> like, like that's <laughs> never, that is never, like, don't ever, like, let anybody tell you that anything in racing is, like, not expensive. <laughs> number one, it's a lie. Number two, like, the cost to get in, like, the price of the car is always, like, makes people's eyes light up. I was like, oh, wow, it's only 60 grand to get this car. Like, I can, I can do that. But, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's how it works, right? And another 40 grand in, like, tools and tires and everything else you need to run the thing and engine license and all the other ridiculous stuff and then rebuilding the engine at 30k and you know with the gearbox and it's it's just it gets confusing but nevertheless everybody kind of thought it was a good idea (laughs) to get the pro cars and so a bunch of us you know did it and and ran like i don't know a good probably like 15 20 races over two seasons you know like in in those pro cars with, with some decent interest and even one year i think we ran them with the radicals in the actual same race, which oh, wow. didn't go that great. But, um, you know, we had an incident one year, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like there's been some, there's been some decent interest. And it sounds like in addition to the cars that were previously there, like maybe eight of them or so that were there from that leftover series. Um, there's like maybe three or four or five more that have arrived. Yeah, yes. so so maybe that maybe that's where that interest is coming from is because these additional cars that have kind of turned up and changed hands and all that stuff, um, you know, have have new interest, you know, from these new drivers that are like, yeah, let's do it. So yeah, very exciting. I, I always think the pro modules are great. It's <laughs> such a great time. Those are so cool. And there, from the pro Mazda, you moved on to a a radical. I switched the, the pro Mazda out for the radical. Um, Mostly because there's guys here that, that were racing them. You know, the, this this series is is thriving, you know, and thriving by you know what I mean, somewhere between six and twelve cars or something like that. But but honestly, you gotta you gotta keep in mind that like until you get to a national kind of level, they just don't have huge um, fields. You know, like twenty car fields or or whatever, really, in too much of of anything you know, like lightweight like that. So that's pretty good. It's pretty good to get somewhere between six and 12 cars to go club racing here. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good time. And, and that car is really not that much slower. Like an apple to apples comparison, me on the South Circuit are within like a second and a half or two of the Pro Mazda. So, I mean, oh, wow. about the same about the same driving dynamics, about the same, and, and once you kind of switch over to a, to a downforce car from like a sitting end car, uh, like th- things are happening at like a, um, yeah, I, I would say a more interesting rate, <laughs> a little bit quicker and a little bit more, you know, it's just like, there's a whole lot of, you know, it's just, it's just a little bit more exciting than, um, than a sand car. Uh, um, it, it's, it's hard to, to want to drive anything anything else that doesn't have a wing that doesn't have like a big wing and some serious downforce. It's a really neat experience. It's a really neat feeling. Yeah. You did. Uh, so and you're, uh, you, you did real, real well in the racing series. I mean, last year, I think you were, I saw you on the podium quite a bit, right? 
Uh, I had maybe a couple podiums, and I think I finished the season fourth. I think I finished fourth, and um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did. I, I exceeded my expectations. <laughs> my, my, you know, like my expectations there are just to like just to have a good time and be safe and and have fun looking after the car. Like I really like looking after it myself and doing my own things and turning my own wrenches and having my own garage space, like all that stuff. So Zen scenario that, that I'm going for, you know, like that's part of my whole, that's kind of why I want to, you know, want to be there. I'm, I'm not going to win like really in any of the series that, that I'm in because there's always like, there's, there's always like top level guys at Autobahn that are just like, ah, I'm not going to run with Jordan missing. You know, like Jordan's Jordan's super fast, and there's just no whatever. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be as quick as so uh, or, or Antoine or even Louis in the in the uh, in the radical series. Like these guys are these guys are fast. They're 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 better than me, and I totally understand that. And I'm fine to kind of finish where I think is reasonable for me, which I think that other people should do as well at the club racing level. I think that too many of the the guys that we run around with like have expectations that are really not that reasonable. And it's like, Hey man, um, reel it in. Cause you, you're, you, you may dive bomb this corner and win this tiny little battle, but you're going to lose. You're going to lose shortly. shortly. <laughs> and so it's just like, let's not wreck everything. You, you know, you know what I mean? In, in, in the, in the process of you losing. Okay. So, so yeah, pass me here, take us both out, but either way, you're probably going to lose. So just chill out. Um, that's, that's kind of my, my club race philosophy is bring the car home in one piece and, you know, let these guys that, that, you know, think that, you know, like they're going to the Oscars next year, let them go, <laughs> let them do their thing and get out of the way of that, get out of the way of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you find uh, you're one of the few guys? Oh, go ahead, John. No, I think you. I think you're going to ask the same question, Mark. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, but you're like one of the very few guys that actually works on his own radical, right? You're you're like that a little anomaly. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's not that many. There's not that many dudes. Um, a couple of years ago, Jeff Green was working on his own car. I think. Um, okay. uh, I think that. Um, Eric, maybe Eric Wagner. I don't know that he uses Stradale. He might do his own thing. Uh, there, there's a couple of guys. There's a couple of guys that that, that do it. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I and I don't think it's unreasonable. It's like if you kind of know what you're looking at and what you're going over. And you know, I've got like you know a bunch of tools for the car, set up bars and all that stuff. And it, it, it makes it feel kind of fun. And you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a hobby thing. I don't I don't really want to you know, call somebody up. Hey man, can you, can you dial in my car as best as you can? Or it's like, what that, that's just, that's not my, I get it. I get it. Dude, dude, they've got, they're busy. I've got a little bit of time (laughs) to head on over. Maybe Maybe change the settings on my, on my vehicle. (laughs) It's it's your baby then. I mean, you get to play with it and you understand it. And you know, you can communicate really well to yourself. I bet on what that car is doing. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I do not at all like take away from uh, having a coach. Like, if you want to do well in any of these series, you better have somebody that's like smarter than you that that you're talking to a lot. Um, in my case, I've got Victor Franzoni, uh, who was I think the 2017 Pro Mazda champion, 
um, and, and, you know, by a lot. And, uh, and this dude like knows his stuff, like not just in the pro Mazda chassis, but in the radical in sedan cars and, you know, he's driven like, you know, prototype type cars and, you know, like DPI cars. It's like, he, he knows things. And so, uh, and he'll get in my car and go out for a session and come back in and he's like, Hey, let's do a couple of clicks, uh, positive on, on the front, on the front dampers and whatever. And now all of a sudden the things, you know, you, you kind of get a dancer. And so I can't do that. I can't do that. And I understand that I can't do that. So it's probably wise to, to call a dude that can and, you know, try to build a relationship and, you know, have, have fun setting up your car and, and learning how the thing works and, you know, just, just, you know, having a good time. And a coach is a big part of that. You know, you're kind of wasting your, you're, you're, you, you, you have a certain level that you can get to and then it's going to stop if you don't have a coach. You got to have, you got to have somebody smarter than you that's, you know, helping you out a little bit. Hmm. Great job. We, I mean, John, you know, we use it all the way down in the cart track. I mean, we have different coaches out there, you know, oh, yeah. helping us to, all the way up to, yeah. you know, you guys running radicals. I mean, it, it never it never ceases to amaze me when I sit and I talk with my son. He's like, I don't need any help. And then he gets out there, you know, and either Mitch or Jordan or Mick or somebody out there, you know, shows him something. And he's like, oh, this is great. It's a new line. I'm so much faster. And, you know, he's all excited. So. The coaching mm-hmm. part is, mm-hmm. is so helpful. Uh, just just last week or two weeks ago, um, Jordan Missig and I are running in the league race in the Radical Cup Series, and uh, and we're qualifying. And he's doing he's doing really well, and he feels like he's qualified as high as he can go. And so this guy is such a cool dude. He hops on and is like riding on board in my car during my laps. And, and coaching me while I'm qualifying, you know what I mean? And, he, and I'm going through, I'm going through corners and he's like, yeah, yeah. So you're like a little bit deep there. You know, you're carrying a little bit too much speed there. Maybe, uh, maybe break a few meters early and turn in harder, stay closer, stay closer, stay closer to the inside or, or, or whatever. And so, you know, like that's a couple of tenths in downforce cars that, your buddy just helped you out and you weren't going to get back. You, you, you were not going to change your line or whatever. You're just trying to like, you know, keep the thing on the track and you know, somebody's <laughs> like, yeah, maybe hit the, maybe hit the brakes a little bit earlier, you know? So yeah, that's, that's one of the things I found in racing is like, you know, you, there's, there's some schmucks out there for sure, but there's more really cool guys that are, that are looking to like help you out and, and, you know, hang out with you and, you know, get everybody doing better. That's how John and I started our bromance. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yep. Our bromance. You, want to, take, you want to take a little bit of time and tell us about it? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know, um, he, I was clueless. I was clueless, and he knew things, and he helped me, and, you know, it's been awesome. And, and exactly what you said, that there's so many people at this country club that we belong to that are just there to help you have an amazing time, and and you know, I forgot who says it, but you know that it's like Disney there, and if people just aren't there to help you, and you know, I have not met yet, besides Kyle, just kidding, Kyle, um, <laughs> people that are not there to help. I mean, everybody's there always to help, be it you know from the employee, any employee, all the way up to to the executives. To, to our competitors, and I, I, I can't explain how important that is 
that makes the experience of going to the Autobahn even more fun. Is that experience of, of the camaraderie that we build. And hopefully after this COVID thing goes away, you know, after a race, you can sit back and have a cocktail and, and talk about that guy that dive bombed you in that corner. And, you know, how if you wouldn't have done that, we could have even gotten faster and those kind of conversations and the fun, you know, they, everybody just wants to be there together in, in that camaraderie. So I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I think the Autobahn really, I think Autobahn really did make a conscious effort, you know, when they're sitting around kind of thinking what their concept is going to be that, um, that customer say service or certainly that, that cordial being out there and available and talking to people and walking around and shaking hands and, you know, Hey, how's it going? You know, like that and all that stuff. It's like, you don't have to wait long. If you're kind of pissed about something, <laughs> you can go to the club. You wouldn't have to wait long before somebody walks up nope. to you, you know, like that, that could do something and be like, Hey, how's it going? Well, let me tell you how it's going. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they're available. They're available for that kind of for that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, they've got a good thing going for sure, <laughs> for sure. And uh, I for do, hear, I do hear your voice uh, every once in a while, Mike, on our sim in our what I call the unauthorized sim Autobahn sim racing league. So have you, is that something relatively new for you? Have you been sim racing for quite some time? So I uh, built a sim when I had the Pro Master. And I learned that uh, at the cost of building a sim versus the cost of like the three sets of pro Mazda tires, I'm going to ruin trying to learn how to drive that car is like a good mathematical scenario. <laughs> you know, like I just was like, let's build a sim so that you can really kind of learn um, the technique and, and how to get on the brakes hard and get off of them turn in and get back on the throttle like like you really need to because that stuff happening quickly in these little um, downforce cars and so I, I, I thought it was a good practice and it, and it turned out that it, it really did help it really did help a bunch of things because you're you spend the first few months you know like flying off into the grass and smashing into stuff and you're like wow well I'm glad that that didn't really happen because <laughs> that looked bad. <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah, I've been working with that thing for about three or four years, and um, and and it helps big time. In fact, it helped this year when we took Radicals Dakota, and uh, on iRacing we used the F3 cars. Um, it was kind of like the closest thing to the Radical, you know, SR3 that that we've kind of decided, um, and so going and practicing Coda in the F3 car was huge. And I did really well at Coda having never been there and saw where I was doing well on, on the track. And it was through those, through those asses. And, uh, and I learned on the sim how, how to do it. And it was accurate. It was like, it was really accurate. Like I lifted basically where I lifted it in the one part of the, of the asses and, and kind of, you know, like understood how it, how it was going to flow even before I got there. So, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think they're pretty effective. I think they're pretty effective. Right. Although some dudes, I got to tell you, some dudes, it does not translate. <laughs> you know, if some really good drivers <laughs> hop onto the Sims and they're just like, oh, I, I cannot get this sorted out. Because it's a little bit of a visual thing, you know, yeah. like you can't quite tell your rate of speed on the Sim. All of the 
dynamic mimic a car you know like you hit the brakes the same way you get off of the brakes and turn in and get on the throttle the same way but the, the visual is not quite you know maybe perfect for everybody and so uh without that seat of the pants some people are just lost and they're like dude i i, I can't I, I i can't cope with that thing yeah yeah i i agree i've I enjoy it particularly over the winter when we weren't, you know, when we weren't outside. I was, I was enjoying it a lot more than I am now. So, I wish I travel a lot, and I wish I had one in my suitcase that I could just open up and attach to the hotel desk, you know, and away we go. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I agree. That would be helpful. Well, hey, let's uh, let's if we can if we could wrap it up here. Uh, Mark, you had any uh, any final questions for Mike? Uh, no, I guess the last, you know, I'm always a, you know, a big believer in you came on. We appreciate the time that you gave to us. You're sitting in your office. We didn't ask you, what are you doing now? You said you're in your studio. What is your studio? What do you do? Real quick. Uh, so I'm, I'm a, I'm a commercial photographer. So in the studio we'll do, um, uh, tabletop photography of like, you know, small products and, and stuff like that. Um, do a little bit of drone photography these days, you know, real estate type stuff and uh, just, just a little bit of imaging everything. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in here now. I haven't been in here for a while because of the, uh, because of the lockdown and I've been able to, you know, kind of operate my, my work from home. But, uh, but I did come in today and, uh, it's actually kind of exciting to be back in my office. It's, it's big. It's airy. It overlooks the Chicago River, which is swelling at a level that I, fellas, I can't even. I mean, it's an outrage out there. The river has like just <laughs> barreled to its five feet higher than it's supposed to be. Um, wow. And you can imagine what that's done to downtown Chicago. Wacker Drive is three feet underwater. Uh, uh, the, the Sears Tower basement's flooded out. You know, they're, they're, they're knocked down. No power in that in that building or, or whatever. For a wow. Time, so. Um, it's, it's a situation, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm down in my studio. I, I, I love this place and, uh, this is, this is kind of where I, you know, get all my work done and basically the uh, company headquarters. Yeah. So what's the name of your, yeah. what's the name of your company now? I just go by Mike Anzaldi Incorporated, but, um. Okay. So if they want to find you to have pictures, <laughs> if somebody wants to have you do their photography or anything, how do they get a hold of you for. Oh yeah. Sure. My, like my website, MikeAnzaldi.com. Okay. You know, it's all my contact stuff. So, um, but generally, my my company is is, is mostly like uh, commercial type accounts, like that are doing you know product stuff for you know packaging and, and this type of thing. So, but some of the members that listen that own businesses that may need things shot. That's absolutely oh, true. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. It's so good to talk to you guys. We need more podcasts. Oh, we need more podcasts, and you guys are are carrying. Carrying that flag, I love it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mike. We appreciate you hopping on. No problem. All you right. guys enjoy the day, huh? Thanks, everybody. You back. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.